Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are and whatever part of the day you're in. Sure do appreciate y'all joining me, giving me a little bit of your time. I know you have other things to do, so thank you. Not a lot on the homestead. The rain has stopped. We'll see if it starts up again. It certainly was nice while we got it. Even had some puddles show up very briefly in the driveway and down the garden rows. So, thank you, Lord, for that. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for you, Father, and your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the time to record this podcast, the people that listen to it and share it. Be with them and their families. Guide them, bless them. Surround them with your angels. Protect them from evil of any kind, Father. Help us to do your will. Help us to seek you and your kingdom and your righteousness first. Help us to love you with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. To love our neighbors as ourselves. Guide our steps, guide our country. Forgive us our sins individually and as a nation, Lord. And God, my words here, Father, please. Your Son's name we pray. Amen. So we've got, I've mentioned this a couple times recently, November and December coming up where we go back and primarily look at Thanksgiving Day proclamations, fasting day proclamations, and in November, since it is the month of Thanksgiving, and then in December, look at some of the Christmas quotes and comments by various presidents and leaders. And so with that in mind, I wanted to turn back to this Churchill biography that we go to every so often and are kind of slowly moving through the second volume of. Uh, it's by William Manchester. The trilogy is titled The Last Lion. It's a biography on Winston Spencer Churchill. And the second volume is titled Alone, and it covers the years primarily from 1932 to 1940. It's published by Little Brown, or Brown Little... And we go back to it because the parallels between the 1930 populations in Europe and what we see here in America today are so strong on two fronts, really. Uh, And these aren't in any particular order as to strength. They're both pretty strong, but 
The first one is the British population of the 1920s and 30s and a large percentage majority to some degree although hopefully it's shrinking but a huge percentage of people that consider themselves conservative and patriots here in America today so those two kind of go hand in hand and then on the other side you have the German population of the 1930s. And I'm talking about really primarily everyday citizens here, folks, more than the national politicians. And the everyday leftist citizen in America today. And so we kind of every once in a while we go in and do a, a few episodes out of this book and kind of look at these comparisons, these parallels, because they're so strong. And they, they show us how much we're walking down the same path. And so it gives you an idea of history, kind of the scope of, of just how dangerous a path we're walking and, and maybe allows you to tell some other people about it. Maybe we can wake some people up, maybe. Uh, so this isn't necessarily a particular time, this part of this biography. It's early 30s, most of it. But uh, I'm going to read a few paragraphs out of it. We're going to talk about it a little bit. One of Churchill's relatives, a peer and a anti-Semite, argued that Anglo-German friendship was mandatory if Western civilization was to be preserved. Churchill replied, you cannot expect the English people to be attracted by the brutal intolerance of Nazism. But, he was asked, how brutal are the Nazis? Britons wondered whether Nazi excesses were sufficiently outrageous to permit a deterioration of relations between London and Berlin, thereby forfeiting what many believed could be a lasting peace. The Times thought not. The shouting and exaggeration in the New Reich, it assured its readers, was sheer revolutionary exuberance. Hitler's men, feeling themselves to be the only true patriots, are enjoying the sound of their unrestrained voices. The trouble was that the noise, the ugly language, and the accounts of bestial conduct didn't stop. Be patient, counseled the times. Hysteria was un-British. Anxious Germans may rest assured that all this is not deliberately misconstrued by foreigners. Most times leaders on foreign policy were written by editor Joffrey Dawson or Robert Barrington Ward, a fellow Oxian both of whom shared Lothian's conviction that France and Russia were conspiring to deny Germany her rank among the great powers, a place, Dawson said, to which she is entitled by her history, her civilization, and her power. So you look back at this, and what do you see? What parallels 
can you already note here? One, which when I made some comments uh, months ago reading this was, was not there, at least not in the current news. I mean, it was, it should have been. It, it's constantly ongoing. But it's the bestiality that we have seen with Islam, right? And, and we're constantly told to ignore the violence and the brutality in these groups, these oppressed groups, the left always tells us, right? Um, Black Lives Matter, Antifa come to mind. But you see, and you see that in the continued, the, the, the wanton theft and violence and crime in a number of these leftist cities by those who are considered minorities in the United States that are supposedly oppressed. But we're supposed to just ignore the violence and the brutality. And it's the same with Islam. You have so many people on the left telling us that the Palestinians are oppressed. Hamas is oppressed. Islam is oppressed, which is ludicrous, truly, in the sense of, of that word, to make that statement. <laughs> but what are our actions? You look at the, the actions of the Nazis here, and and other parts of this biography already, the beatings, the torture, the political imprisonments, the blatant anti-Semitism that you see, that you see from the Muslims again still today, those actions. Here in the United States, it's predominantly anti-Christian on a day-to-day -day basis, although you have seen some of the anti-Semitism come out within the last few weeks to go along with this attack by Hamas. And, and just like Manchester says here, the, the trouble is this, this noise, this ugly language, this bestial conduct, it, it doesn't stop. And that's the point, is that the actions continue to be violent and brutal. And, and you have this, this attempt by a number of people now here in the United States today on the so-called conservative patriot side, they say, well, we don't want to back them into a corner. We don't want to deny them their, their right to express themselves. And so we need to allow them to steal from stores. We need to allow them to burn cities down. We need to allow them to pull statues down and destroy history and melt down statues. We need to allow them different standards of conduct in public, in schools. We need to not imprison them for actions that we would imprison everybody else for. We need to not fail them on tests that we would fail everyone else for because those are oppressive. And that's exactly what a large section of the British population argued in the 1920s and 30s, well, you, you don't want to 
be mean to the Germans. You don't want to purposefully misunderstand them. You don't want to make them feel even more alienated. And, and so you can see, you can see the parallels there. Barrington Ward, one of the London Times editors or writers of foreign policy, told a friend that Nazi outrages were largely the reflex of the external persecution to which Germans have been subjugated since the war. Englishmen's commitment to fair play, he added, obligated them to help the victimized country, quote, escape from encirclement, end quote, and achieve, this is great, equality, the code phrase which meant rearmament. History has credited the Nazis for the restoration of the Reich's military might, but some Englishmen had anticipated them. In the summer of 1932, Franz von Papen, then-Chancellor, declared that the shackles of Versailles, I always mispronounce that for some reason, were intolerable. The Times weighed the Chancellor's complaint, found it justifiable, and called for the timely redress of grievances. So what do you see here? Uh, and you see some crossover here between... I say the parallels are are strong between the British citizens and a number of people on the conservative, patriotic side here in America, but you really see a little blurring of the line there. You have a number of similarities between the British population of the 1920s and 30s, right, and and the left in America today, too. And so uh, we'll come back. We've gotten to the end of this. We're going to come back and talk about these uh, catchphrases here on the next one. And we'll spend a few days on some of this stuff uh, with Churchill. If you get a chance today, folks, and you can share the podcast with one other individual, uh, I would greatly appreciate it. Y'all are the reason the podcast continues to grow, and I'm incredibly grateful for that. If you'd like to contact us, americansoulpodcast at gmail.com. And if you can scrounge $3 together and sign up for the extra, the exclusive episodes we do each month, that would be great as well. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless your marriages. God bless America, folks. We'll talk to y'all again real soon. Looking forward to it.